on Twitter, an obsessive writer of sports, mostly pro hoops, music, and politics. That's the perfect description of Britt Robson from Minpost. He's joining us now on The Lake Show on News Talk 830-WCCO, courtesy of the, the John Schuster Cole Banker Hotline. Britt, man, uh, I, I love I love how you have that laid out about you on Twitter, and I think it's a, it's, it's a great description. Yeah, those are the three passions. Uh, once uh, Trump got uh, elected president, I had to kind of move politics to third place, you know. <laughs> you can drive yourself crazy that way, you know. <laughs> well, hold on. Is, is one of your passions uh, uh, snow and weather? Like, like it's been a snow day, man. How do, how do you participate in a snow day like today? Well, we're the only driveway on our block, and so uh, what that means is is that uh, I have to bend my back a lot more than other people. But there was a really nice person who actually has a snowplow. You know, I live in the city, so there's not a lot of suburban snowplowers around, unfortunately. But um, there uh, was some guy who came around and uh, did the sidewalk in front of everybody's house down the whole block so i've got to hunt down that guy and buy him a six-pack or something i hear you man well i'm, I'm happy to have you back on the show always a pleasure to chat and talk uh, nba basketball and timberwolves specifically with you and, and i want to start with this and first off happy new year um give me your description you well. G- give me your how would you describe the timberwolves season to this particular point uh bad fit explain I think that, you know, the fit of the personnel is uh, thus far, um, it's not smooth. It's not a good fit. It's not synergistic. It's not, it's not always corrosive, but uh, most of the time they are at best the sum of their parts rather than any, any synergy. Do you think that it's strictly because of the Rudy Gobert trade? Do you think it's just strictly because you added in a big alongside a big that was already here in um in Cat, or do you think it's bigger than that? I think it's mostly because of the Gobert trade, but that's because there's so many aspects to the Gobert trade. I mean, not only do you bring in a guy who um had been with the same head coach for eight of his nine years in the NBA and was the face of that franchise and had a defensive scheme and an offensive scheme essentially built around him. And then he comes to a team um, that has uh, another guy in Carl Anthony Towns who is in many ways as equal. They vie to be the third all NBA center behind uh, Jokic and Embiid. Uh, But you also have uh, Anthony Edwards, who is the guy that the team is going to compete for a championship. He is the one that will emerge as your alpha star someday. He's the guy with the highest ceiling among the three. And so you have this dynamic where you got a 30-year-old guy coming in who's used to doing things a certain way and has done them well enough that the schemes and everything were built around him, and now all of a sudden he's not necessarily the guy in that way, and yet even though he's not that guy in that way, you gave up five first-round draft picks if you consider Walker Kessler a first-round draft pick that the Wolves already chose for Utah, and then three guys who were among the top seven in their rotation, including their their best microwave three-point shooter in Beasley, 
their main hustle sweat equity guy in Vanderbilt and their emotional uh, leader in uh, Pat Bev. So it isn't just that it's a bad fit. It's that you've subtracted pieces, you've changed the culture, and you've made it kind of awkward for Rudy himself. I mean, I looked it up. Rudy Gobert uh, is, is performing in many ways very similar uh, in Minnesota to what he did in Utah, particularly on offense, is the percentage of the shots he takes within three feet and the accuracy of those shots is remarkably similar to uh, what, what he did in Utah. The, the difference is he's really good on pick and rolls, but the Wolves don't run nearly as many pick and rolls as Utah did. And then the biggest difference is that the drop coverage scheme in Utah was so functional and so tailored around Gobert and the personnel that um, Rudy averages like 3.6 blocks a game in his career. He's averaging 1.7 for the Wolves last I looked a couple of games ago. So I think those are the big things that um, you've got a situation that's, you know, almost sadly is nobody's fault. Uh, Gobert is coming in and is well-intentioned and, you know, he, he's a good dude. Uh, you know, most people regard him as a stand-up guy, um, but he's not going to rock the boat coming in. Um, he's going to get his bearings. He's going to make his presence felt, and then he's going to be able to, to exert some leadership. But because the Wolves weren't very good almost right out of the gate, he hasn't really had that chance to exert himself in that way because, quite frankly, most of the holdovers from last year – probably preferred the experience of the Wolves uh, last year to the experience of the Wolves this year. So to have a new guy come in and and basically help instruct them on how to play, you know, go bear smart enough not to necessarily push that too hard. So it's still obviously a learning curve and it's a learning process. It, It isn't that it can't work, but I think that at best it has been a remarkably slow uh, launch um, the essentially the Vegas had the Wolves in the high 40s for wins I think the last one was maybe 47 48 wins or well, right now they're 17 and 21 which means you know they got to win like for 48 wins they got to win 31 of the next you know 44 games yeah uh, they got to go 31 and 13 and that, I don't think that's going to happen there's a disappointment and the kicker is, I mean, and there is, I mean, and not to keep depressing people, but uh, management and the coaching staff and the ownership, the new owners that are eventually going to be the majority owners at the end of what is now this calendar year, um, they're all invested in this. Uh, this is way, way too soon to call it a failure, and they will exert all types of possibilities to try to make this work before they they do give up on it. And so, you know, it has to work in that sense that, you know, I mean, people talk about fire Chris Finch or whatever, you know, that let's say that they make Chris Finch, the coach, the easiest scapegoat, even if that were to happen, that won't happen until next year. I mean, you save that, you know, that card in your pocket, you know, Kevin McHale fired Dwayne Casey, um, because the team was at 500. He didn't realize how much worse it was going to get, but he waited it for a while. You know, I mean, yep. it, it's one of those things where, uh, 
you, you need a situation where uh, it's got to be absolutely proven to not work in order to start taking drastic measures. For sure. And even then, you know, I mean, we're talking that they, they owe Utah a first round pick in 2029. So it isn't like uh, doing something extreme at the beginning of 2023 is going to make everything all better. Yeah. You know, I so, mean, this, this has to be something that uh, is now that they're in this kind of uh, situation, they've got to figure out the best way to move forward methodically that has a chance to either save face or actually become approximately what they thought it could yep. be on the upside. And at the same time, you know, you've got a, you got 22 year old uh, Jaden McDaniels and 21 year old Anthony Edwards. One of the beautiful things about this trade was there was always kind of a trap door. Um, where if you had to, if you had to have a fire sale, you still have two really good players, one really good player and one guy who I think is underrated in McDaniels, who is a very good player, um, that, you know, you, you don't, you're not bereft. Yep. So, yep. you know, it, it's not like the sky is falling, but I think for a fan base that never had a front office go all in on a team before, they thought at last, you know, yep. somebody Now's is really time. swinging for the fences here, yep. and, and 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 the disappointment thus far is pretty pretty palpable, pretty keen among the fan base. Yeah, Br- Robson uh, from uh, Mempos joining us here on on the Lake Show News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Make sure that you give him a follow on Twitter. All right, so what would you say is the the most dysfunctional piece or part of this team in this specific moment? You know, I don't know if it's the most dysfunctional, but the most surprising thing to me has been uh, the periodic lack of effort. Um, I, I never expected, uh, usually when a team is all in, um, you have a situation where, you know, th- there's a lot of hustle, there's, a, there's an attempt to get on the right page and everything, and uh, particularly earlier in the season, uh, the Wolves just laid eggs a few times. And it, what was crazy about it was at home sometimes. Uh, they played a game against Miami uh, 10 days ago or whatever it was that was terrible. They're obviously the game before their last game, uh, the game that was on uh, Saturday night, New Year's Eve, against a team of the worst record in the NBA. They were up 18 points in the second quarter, wound up losing by 12. Um, that Detroit team played every bit as bad as their nine and 29 record for the first two and a half quarters until the wolves kept giving them the game. And then like any NBA team that suddenly realizes they have a chance to win for the first time in a week, they got energized and and they won that game. That type of uh, effort, which is obviously unacceptable is probably the biggest surprise. Also probably the easiest to fix because it's the most noticeable and what you do is you penalize people either with minutes or criticism or whatever um other than that i think the rebounding you know uh, well i wonder i wonder if the uh, most dysfunctional part of this team is d'angelo russell like i just I'm, i'm i'm trying to figure out like i just don't see it with him here you know and and i you know at the end of this, this is his final year in Minnesota. I just don't see it happening. Um, I just I don't see the leadership that we should be getting from a point guard. 
that's that was coming into the NBA that was highly coveted? Well, there are a lot of people who agree with you. I think D'Lo has been a fairly polarizing figure. He was a polarizing figure before he even came to Minnesota. He was the guy who told on his teammates who were having an affair in Los Angeles. And then, you know, he had this, this situation where the, he got traded to uh, Brooklyn, then he got traded to Golden State. The word was he didn't play defense well enough to be uh, the people in Golden State Championship Organization you know, platinum franchise uh, wanted to get rid of him. Uh, so he he came to the Wolves with kind of a checkered reputation um, and has been inconsistent, has been very good sometimes, has been especially good at various times in the clutch, has won the Wolves, you know, uh, not a tremendous amount of games, but a significant number of memorable games where his hot shooting and style and the clutch uh, meant the difference, but he hasn't ever really gotten out from, he has not been totally accepted here in Minnesota. And um, I, I think some of that has to do with the fact that in some ways he too is not necessarily a great fit. Uh, he was supposed to be, I mean, he was supposed to be a great pick and roll partner for Gobert, Um one of the reasons that D'Lo defenders thought that, uh, you know, when people would criticize his play his first two years here was that the, he's a good pick-and-roll guy and the Wolves weren't running enough pick-and-roll. Well, the Wolves still aren't running enough pick-and-roll, but at least now he theoretically had a partner in Gobert where that would really work out. As it turns out, he's been much more effective on the pick-and-roll with uh, the other guys, Nate uh, Knight and Nas Reed, and even Ant to some extent, he hasn't connected all that well with Gobert. Um, he also likes to refer to himself as a combo guard rather than a point guard. And in many respects, this team has got people that uh, what they need a distributor. They need a guy yep. who will concentrate on assists first. And D'Lo likes to get his own shot going, and then he is a much better passer. That just seems to be the way he is. But um, consequently, I mean, Jordan McLaughlin, the backup point guard, does not have Delo's talent or his size and physicality, but has had good results on occasion because he is a guy who plays at that fast pace that Chris Finch likes and is a ball distributor first. Delo's more of a cat-and-mouse guy. Uh, he likes to figure out what the defense is doing and then play chess with them. And he does it relatively well, but it isn't a quick-paced game. And uh, Finch likes to play with a fast pace. Yep. D'Lo plays at a medium pace. D'Lo likes to run pick and roll. Finch doesn't. So in that respect, there's some friction. And then, you know, the first two years he was here, first he had Ricky Rubio, and then he had Pat Dev. And both of those guys, for a variety of reasons, were fan favorites. Rubio, for all his time here, and his professionalism, Pat Bev, for the fire he brought. And so it hasn't worked out. It hasn't been a great relationship. They didn't offer him the contract he wanted to get at the, at the end of last year. Cat got that max deal instead, and uh, D'Lo is now working on his last deal. So you're right, it's been a checkered tenure. Uh, I would not say he's been the biggest dysfunction, but I would say that the fit 
considering the salary and the fact that you gave up Andrew Wiggins, who was never going to play as well here as he's subsequently played in Golden State, but you also gave up a first-round pick. Yep. So, yep. you know, the, the <clears throat> verdict on D'Lo at the current time would have to be, I think, a net negative. I'm, I'm with you. Hey, Britt, always a pleasure to have you on the show, my man. It was nice seeing you last night, and we'll see you tomorrow night when the, uh, when the Portland Trail Blazers are in town. Sounds good. See you then. All right. Take care. Britt Robson joining us here on The Late Show on The Good Neighbor.